Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Bellerín, otro defensor, otro disparo, Monreal, gol. Marca el futbolista español, marca Nacho Monreal. Pim, pam, pum. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always with James from Gunner Blog. James, goodly, goodly night to you. Goodly night. I think good, even goodly evening wouldn't do this justice, would it? I mean, we're speaking in the immediate aftermath of, of the game on Monday night. Yes, indeed we are. I mean, you must be literally just back in from from the Emirates. I literally am. I have had time to come into the flat, pour myself a gin and tonic and sit down. I, I just took off a hat as we speak. Okay, well, so, I mean, this is straight, this is freshly cooked, as freshly cooked an arse cast extra as anybody could ever hope for. This is it, it's hot off the press. I mean, the disadvantage of that is that I haven't seen any replay, so I will be speaking, you know, with a, a certain degree of ignorance about certain things, like Rob holding handballs and stuff mm. like that. But, you know, the, the advantage is I'm very much caught in the exhilaration of the moment because I thoroughly enjoyed that second half Yes, it seems to be a common theme doesn't it? I really enjoyed that second half said the Arsenal fan for the ninth (laughs) or tenth successive game Uh, you know, really is a a feature of, of what we're doing and how we're doing it, you know uh, what way will we go with this? Because we can't ignore the first half uh, but the second no. half was so good, you don't necessarily want to start on a down note. But maybe that's what we should do, just to sort of bring everybody back down to earth briefly before we lift them up again with the joy and the rapture of what Mesut Ozil and Alex Iwobi and Hector Bellerin and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang did in that, in that second half, which was extremely tasty. It really was. Yes. I mean, I, I think you're right. Let's Maybe let's do the first half just so I can kind of calm down and my blood pressure can return to normal <laughs> and then we can properly dissect the game. Yeah. Um, to begin at the beginning, I mean, Unai Emery is a man who I am finding it impossible to predict. After years of sort of being able to vaguely guess what Arsene Wenger might do in any given game, mm. 
uh, he continues to surprise, and that that team sheet was was no different, really. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was a bit surprised, to be honest. I wasn't necessarily surprised to see Ozil come back in, but no, uh, it was not the four four two thing that he did at Fulham or the four two 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 thing that we did at Fulham, which worked really well. Which was again a bit of a surprise because it had worked so well there. We're playing at home. But, uh, you know, he obviously saw something in Leicester that made him decide to go a different way. I mean, what in particular surprised you about the 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 starting lineup? Was it the lack of Aubameyang? I mean, obviously yeah, there was it, no left back. So, I mean, that's that's a different that's a different issue. We, we had to mend and make do there. But mm. no Aubameyang in the front four. Was that where you were taken aback slightly? I thought so. I thought having having come on and scored twice against Fulham and having kind of tried out that new 4-2-2-2 system, I thought we might, this might be the game which we'd see mm. Aubameyang and Lacazette paired together as a, a proper bona fide front two. But it wasn't to be. I, I, I thought Ozil would come in. I just thought maybe Mkhitaryan would be the man to... To make way and the, uh, and Welbeck maybe, but yeah, the the left back thing was a, a real surprise. There'd been no indication of that beforehand, and actually, I think it it hurt us in that first half. Mm. I, I think Monreal, when you think back to that Fulham match, he was such an important part of our attacking play, and he combined so well with Iwobi, and you know we just. We didn't have that same outlet on that flank in that first half. No, I, I did. Uh, that did occur to me a number of times throughout the first half. I was thinking we could really do with a left-footed left-back and maybe mm. a left-back, with all due respect to Stefan Licksteiner, who isn't looking every single one of his 34 years. You know, he really... I thought he really struggled by... By the time he came off, I think I just made a comment on the, the live blog. I was going, he looks absolutely knackered. I think Leno had the ball... Um, in his hands and he, it was a sort of uh, situation where you'd normally roll it out to your left back and he was just sort of standing in the box because he didn't want to move. He was just mm. really, really tired. Mm. It's difficult. We know it's difficult being played out of position but uh, and I don't want to you know, put any blame on him but yeah, it was. It, it did cost us a bit I think in the first half but also, uh, you know, we... We let them have a chance within the first couple of minutes, which we've done in quite a number of games, you know, and we can talk about how good we are in the second half. And I think that's a, a real credit to us. And it's a it's a, a very positive thing. But what's not positive is allowing the opposition chances that early in the game, because it, it speaks to me. I don't know what you think about this, but of a lack of focus. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's one of those curious things where, you're kind of torn between wanting to praise the team for their response to situations and the way they grow into games and wanting to criticise them for the manner in which they start them. And, you know, I say the team, I mean the manager as well included mm. in that. Uh, we definitely were not the better team for the first 30 minutes or so, in my estimation. Fair. I thought, I thought Leicester did pretty well, actually, and created some really dangerous situations. I mean, I thought Leno made a... A very good save in that first half. Um, yeah, that was a, a really top save, and they and they probably ought to have uh, tested us more. Was it was it Maguire or is that where he made the save? I forget now. It was, was a Maguire, Maguire a Maguire header that Leno made the save from. Lacazette was playing uh, was playing him on side. I just don't yeah. know that our defensive organisation in that situation was particularly good. Anyway, we were overloaded at the back. Uh, of that line, so Leicester had some uh, had a chance to create joy if they did manage to stay on side. So, yeah, yeah. And I felt that going forward, I mean, it's interesting because look, ultimately this was a game in which in which Mesut Ozil really shone, 
and contributed some brilliant, brilliant moments. And I'm sure we'll come on to talk about those. But in the first half, I was watching it and thinking, with Lacazette as the kind of lone striker, I, I felt we struggled a bit. And I mm. felt that I feel like he's a player who, throughout his time at Arsenal, has genuine, generally looked better with a partner alongside him, be it Aubameyang or even Danny Welbeck. You know, he, he tends to fare better when he's got yeah. someone shouldering that responsibility with him. And without that, I thought Lacazette wasn't really in the game. Uh, and I felt we struggled to get a foothold in the final third. Yeah. So it was it was curious the way it all kind of turned on its head. And maybe... Maybe it took going behind for that to happen. And, and if, if that is the case, and I think you're right, that has to be looked at as a focus issue. Yeah, but then you can talk about character and response and being able to to get yourself back into the game, which is mm. something that we have done. I think there's a, you know, a stat saying we've been drawing at halftime in each of our last seven games. And we've gone on to win them all. I think that's what it is anyway. Um, uh, who had it there? I think Andrew uh, had it up on his Twitter. So I'll just check it out there. Uh, I mean, that yeah, is the last seven league games, halftime, 1-1, one, 1-1, one, 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 three nil-nils and two more one-ones, and we've gone on to win 3-1-3-2-2-1-2-0-2-0-5-1-3-1. So, you know, the, yeah, you can and I think should talk about the way that we're starting games and the way that we're not able to impose ourselves in the first half. Um is it hard to look beyond this being something that's... Is it just coincidence? Is it deliberate? Is this the way that Emery wants his team to play? I mean, clearly he doesn't send his team out to concede chances the way that we have done, but is he banking on this strong second half? Is that just something that, you know, his fitness training, for example, is is getting out of the players, a greater stamina, a greater endurance, and in the second half of games when the opposition are tired, we're able to, to capitalise on that? I think fitness is definitely part of it. I mean, look at, take an individual like Alex Iwobi, the fact that he played 90 minutes against Leicester and seemed to grow into the game, really, as the second half wore on, he was getting stronger and stronger. Mm. Uh, This is a guy who couldn't go beyond sort of 60, 70 minutes a year ago. It felt like that anyway. And so I think that does speak to the, the fitness work that's been done on the training ground. And we do look like a stronger, more intense team than we have for some time. But I also wonder, is it part of, I know we're pushing into November now, but is this still part of Emery's learning process? And does he not necessarily always get it right from the start? But Mm. but we're seeing that he's someone who can be reactive within games and he can change the course of games after kickoff. Um, And you hope that with time, when he knows the league, when he knows his players, when he knows the opposition, he'll, he'll be able to get it right from the start because... You know, granted, that would certainly be a lot more comfortable. Yeah, I mean, it didn't click for us really in the first half. It, it has to be said, from an attacking point of view, I thought Mkhitaryan was pretty peripheral. Um, he, it didn't work the way that it worked at Fulham. I think that was the expectation or the hope, certainly, that we had was that maybe we just pick up where we left off against Fulham. Uh, mm. I mean, we did in the end, but you know, in, in that first period, they did have chances. Leno made that save. Uh, they they probably should have had a penalty. Rob holding handball not long after being booked. Some people will say it's you know it's kind of ball to handish, but I think when you jump like that and the ball whacks off your hand right in front of the referee as well, uh, I, I think we were lucky to get away with that. To be honest, and the, you know this is this is um, something we have to look at is these fine margins as well. Uh, at one one, they had a header that smashed back off the crossbar. 
Yeah. You know, after we'd been on top and we played much better than they did in the second half and they were talking on, on TV, you know, Leicester haven't had a chance since the 20th minute. You know, it showed Arsenal's dominance and the, the way we were controlling the game. But, you know, six inches lower and we're 2-1 down and the game has a very different complexion. So there is an element, as much as I really like what we did and how we did it in that second half, we are kind of walking a bit of a tightrope uh, at times. Yeah, I'm in a WhatsApp group with a load of friends and they all support different clubs. And during the second half, I was caught up in the excitement and I found myself sending a message saying to, uh, to them all saying, I think Arsenal might be sort of quite good at the moment. I think we might be, you know, all right. Mm. And uh, the responses I got were generally people saying that they find us a confusing team as a neutral <laughs> because, uh, th th you know, they watch the first half and they kind of think we, sh we could maybe be a couple of goals down. And that's in more than one game. You know, they look at, of course, a number of games and think, well, they really should be behind at half time and potentially out the game. And yet in the second, we produce this astonishing attacking football and look like we can score from from every part of the pitch, really. And I think that confusion, I mean, is accurate. I think it's sort of shared by most Arsenal fans. I think, you know, <laughs> it's 10 wins on the bounce and there's a lot to love about that, but it's not necessarily convincing across the course of 90 minutes, is it? Sure, sure. No, we, we haven't really... I mean, Fulham was the most complete performance of the season and even that we, we conceded late... Mm. in the first half so their goal um, was there much to complain about with their goal because I, as I say I only saw it in real time and obviously there's misfortune on the way it actually went in the net but were there problems in the build up uh, I think we maybe lost the ball uh, a little bit easily high up the pitch it could have been I don't know whether it was Johnny Evans or whether it was Maguire got there ahead of Ozil and they worked mm. the ball. I don't quite know where Mkhitaryan was. I'd have to watch it again. Normally I download the game and, and watch the key moments yet again uh, before yeah. I do the podcast and haven't had a chance really to do that. But yeah, I think it, it was a lovely first touch, wasn't it, from Chilwell? Really nice first touch. Uh, got Brilliant. a bit of luck. Got a bit of luck. I don't think it was a, a shot. I think it was a cross that deflected in off Bellerin. So you put yeah. it down for, for a Bellerin own goal. Uh, but, you know, you couldn't say that it was necessarily against the run of play or that it was particularly unexpected based on what had come before. No, and I'm watching the goal again now. It's Lacazette who's chasing Chilwell when he skips beyond Bellerin. So right. I, I have no idea where, where Mkhitaryan had, had got to. He presumably had been involved in an attacking move that broke down. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it's a great first touch, almost a good enough first touch that, you know, he sort of buys the luck off the, the second touch which comes mm. be, uh, off Bellerin. But that was at 30 minutes and it was difficult to argue with, really. I mean, they had looked a threat at times, particularly in the air. We hadn't appeared the most organised at the back. And as much as you might like to say, yes, we're missing probably our two most senior defenders in mm. uh, Socrates and Montreal, that's been a, a common thread, hasn't it, through Arsenal this season? Whatever the personnel have been, we haven't looked the most secure at the back. So it was difficult to be too surprised by that. Yeah, that is true. That is true. But, you know, we did get back into it before uh, halftime, just before halftime. It was one of those goals where you're going, OK, look, we get to halftime. He'll have a word. We'll be better in the second half. You know, it should be all all right. And then we pull this fantastic piece of play out of the hat Ozil driving towards the box Bellerin crossed it back in and Ozil's finish is just superb on the run yeah. just 
gets to the uh, gets to the bounce of the ball and just guides it in one of those where yeah, that's what they say, isn't it? You just he just guided it in off the post, and you know, going in off the post makes the goal twenty two percent better, as we know. Absolutely, yeah, it really does. I mean, it was the perfect strike, and mm. it's actually a one-two, isn't it? Because it's Özil driving towards mm. goal. He finds Bellerin, and the cutback from Bellerin's really good. I mean, I know obviously you know he's unfortunate on the first goal, but he's someone you've talked about a few times in the last few weeks as someone who's steadily improving, finding some consistency, finding some form, and his contribution today, tonight rather, I thought was massive. You know, two assists for him. Um, and the the ball for us always brilliant and the finish is just sensational it's so audacious to take it first time and he he just doesn't break his stride and uh, what I love about it most is that he's kind of celebrating as soon as he makes contact he knows he's got exactly mm. the right angle on that for it to just find the far corner so yeah it was a a brilliant goal and and a brilliant move actually it yeah. goes right back to the top left corner of the the pitch the kind of left back position where Torreira wins it you know that's what he's in the team for starts mm. a move flowing and uh, yeah an audacious finish and Ozil you know he's been pretty good in the box hasn't he I, I don't know how many goals he's got this season now but it feels like he's got a few under his belt already uh, is that four maybe yeah. three or four I'm three or four mm. and it feels like there's been a sort of a, a bit more composure about him in those positions it's difficult to obviously pin down why that might be but I'm thoroughly enjoying it yeah particularly when you would probably say he hasn't really hit the heights or hit his best form at any point this season apart from what he did tonight. So, mm. you know, that's that's an interesting return for him. I'm just looking up the stats here now. I think it is four, three Premier League and one in the Europa League. Right, well, there you go. And not an assist yet. Oh, he did get no. one tonight. Yeah, he would have got one tonight. Now I'm looking at stats that haven't been updated yet. Uh, he got one, he, he's got one assist to his name. I think that's right. Well, he but. got the one for Aubameyang uh, tonight, yes. of course. Um, so, yeah. But Blimey. he's only started, I think, seven games and he's got four goals. So, for him, it's a very good return. Mm. Is it four goals? I think it's three. Three goals. Is it? Yeah, two yeah. in the Premier League against Newcastle and Everton. Ah. Uh, yeah, three. Newcastle, Everton, and then tonight, uh, and Did then I, I've got one the... in the Europa League. Oh, I don't know what that must have oh, been. Oh yeah, I'm just Vors- looking at Premier League. Yeah, I'm just Vors- looking at Premier League. Okay, you're right. You're right. I was right in the first place. Four goals. <laughs> Trust <laughs> and, your intuition. Absolutely. So look, you know, you go in at halftime, and I was, I have to say, expecting a halftime change. Me too. I thought there would be a halftime change. I thought it would be Mkhitaryan off. And Obama Yang on. That's what I was thinking would happen. Yes, I I thought that was likely. Uh, but then, you know, sometimes you get an indication from the way the players are warming up and there was no nothing that suggested mm. anything was particularly imminent, which, you know, uh, it surprised me because Emery, we know he's prone to a half-time change and if ever there was a game that looked like it needed it, bar that Ozil goal mm. was this one. I do wonder if maybe that moment right before half-time, changed his thinking. Um, yeah. Had we gone in at 1-0 down, I think he might have been forced to, to make the change. But although there was no change in personnel, it was a very different performance, wasn't it, in the second half? Yeah, I think so. There was a bit more um, pressure from us. We certainly forced Leicester back uh, further into their own half. I mean, they were they were sitting very deep. 
the the chance that they had, which came in the what was it, the fifty eighth minute when they hit the bar. You know, it came after a long period when we were camped inside their half. I think there might have been a chance for Mkhitaryan where he was falling backwards and he clipped it back across yeah. goal and shot wide and maybe should have done better there in fairness. But, you know, it, it was uh, Arsenal dominant. They hit the bar and then um, we have, yeah, 59 minutes, I say, Lick, Licksteiner looks knackered. And 61 minutes, <laughs> Aubameyang and Genduzi on, Mkhitaryan and Lichstein are off. Tell me honestly, what were you thinking when it became clear that Granit Xhaka was going to play at left-back? On a booking On a well. booking, yeah. And the, I think uh, in one of his first moments was him chasing down a guy um, who was driving down the right-hand side for Leicester, and he came across. He made a good tackle, but it was one of those where you're going, oh, don't do it, don't do it. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking... Um, I was thinking that maybe I knew more about Granite Shaka than Uno ever he did at that point. I was like, this is a, a move that I can't see ending particularly well. But I did think... Credit to Emery. I mean, it was bold. It was really bold on two mm -hmm. counts. One, you know, bringing on, uh, switching Shaka to left back. Two, bringing on Ganduzi, who is a 19-year-old player, you know, in a situation where we needed to push on and win the game. Yeah, there was big pressure on him to come into central midfield and help turn the tide. And I must say, I thought he was excellent uh, after coming on Ganduzi. I thought yeah. he really up the tempo of things and um, very, very impressive. But yeah, Shaka, <laughs> I mean, look, he did okay. He hey, did all right. I tell you what, he, he was better at left back than he was in midfield tonight. Yes. I thought, he, I thought he was having a really poor game in midfield. He was giving the ball away. There was a moment where he was looking for a corner. He was shouting at the referee and I'm thinking, you're on a yellow card. Just shut up, you know. Don't do anything that might get you a, a booking and... Uh, then he's moving him to left back, and I'm thinking, well, this is <laughs> this is certainly uh, brave from Unai Emery. I mean, he didn't really have any other choice, did he? Because Licksteiner had to come off; he, he just didn't have anything left. Was was that was that the case? He was just completely I, spent. I, I th well, I mean, maybe not. Maybe it was a, a tactical masterstroke. But it just seemed to me that the only reason you would put Granit Xhaka left back is because you have no other choice. You've got nobody else who can play there, and you know you're having to you're having to take off a defender. Um, I, I thought I thought he did well, you know, considering he did have a booking. I remember one of the first passes that he got was was one of those where it almost put him into trouble around the halfway line. You could see him thinking about making one of those Xhaka fouls, you know. You know, the ones where he just sort of, yeah. the guy's running past him and he sticks an arm out and just, you know, it's not a, a really serious foul, but it's enough to get you a booking. And when you've already had a booking, it's like, oh, don't do it. But, you know, uh, two minutes later, we score. And again, Ozil involved in uh, just a fantastic pass, cut right through the Leicester defence to find Hector Bellerin, who who crossed to the back post for, for Aubameyang. And that... Mm. You know, when people ask what what ex what exactly is it that Mesut Ozil can do better than anybody else in this team, that's it. That vision and the, that ability to spot that pass, to spot the run, to weight the ball the way that he weighted it uh, w was just outstanding. It's a sensational pass. It really is. Like it, I'm watching it again now. Bird camp esque. I mean, 
It is. Yeah. It's exactly that. You know, if it was played off the right foot on the opposite side of the pitch, you'd say that's Dennis Bergkamp all day long. At the point where he plays that pass, Bellerin is about, I'd say he's as, as much as six yards away from Chilwell. And yet Ozil has seen the run. He's mm. seen the way that it's going to go. And he plays it so perfectly into the channel. It's Bellerin doesn't have to break his stride. It's, his, it's a first-touch cross from Bellerin onto the end of it. Mm. And the ball is almost about to stop dead. The weight of it... I mean, some of the things Ozil did tonight, and I know we'll come on to the third goal, but it was real artistry, wasn't it? I mean, he, mm. he elevated that game with just moments of sublime skill. And this pass... Was was right up there. I mean, I could watch that. I could watch that again and again and again, and again, and again. I mean, oh. honestly, I, I <laughs> I've got it on the replay now, and I it it's the. I mean, I, I you sort of want to. I haven't watched the Sky Punditry or whatever, but you want someone to draw a line of the trajectory of that pass because it's so perfect. I think they the, did. I think maybe Jamie Carragher did. Yeah, they did. Like they stopped it and they they show Bellerin about to make the run and then there was like the arrow going through uh, I wasn't really paying that much attention because I don't tend to pay that much attention to to the post game stuff but no sure. not just Jamie Carr I just mean post game stuff in general uh, yeah. I, I tend to turn off but I yeah 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 That's- the geometry of Ozil's performance tonight you know I, I said artistry but the sort of the science of it as well it was just Pyth- I mean he, he was great he was great tonight yeah he really was Pythagoras would be proud of of the angles that he created tonight. Um, yeah. And what about Aubameyang as well? I mean, came off the bench at Fulham, scored twice. Came off the bench tonight, scored twice. Yeah. It's uh, outrageous, really, to have, you know, someone of that lethal nature in reserve. Um, I, it's tricky, isn't it? Because he just, they can't, how, defences can't live with him. Yeah, but how can, you, how can you leave him on the bench now? I don't think you can, can you? A guy comes off the bench and scores twice. That's like, look... Look what I can do. Comes off the bench and scores twice again. Uh, and I know that, that um, you know, the goals that he scored tonight were tap-ins, essentially. But they're goals. He's, uh, he's the man in the right place at the right time to finish off fantastic flowing Arsenal moves. You know, Lacazette didn't happen for him tonight in front of goal. You know, how, how if you are a £55 million record signing world-class Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, you, you know, we can talk about a competitive environment and all that kind of stuff, but he'll be pissed off if he doesn't start. Mm. I mean, He can't it, do much more. I mean, he will start, presumably, on Thursday, mm. but that's not really what it's about for him, is it? He wants to be playing Premier League games. There was a stat floating around after the match. I think Sky did put this one up. Did you see that since... Since Aubameyang's debut in the Premier League, I think it's only Mo Salah has scored more goals than him. Wow. He scored he scored more than Kane in that time. I think he's one short of what Salah's done since uh, Aubameyang came into the Premier League, which is amazing, really, because he's, you know, how many of those games has he been the starting centre-forward in? A handful, I would suggest. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's an incredible testament to his ability to finish and to get into goal-scoring positions, regardless of where it is that he's being picked or not being picked even. I mean, he can't score goals when he's not being picked because he's picked to come on as a sub. But you know what I mean? It's uh, It really is fantastic. Um, it's a good headache for Unai Emery to have, I think. 
um, assuming he doesn't do anything like super crazy, like play him at left back, uh, because we don't have any other left backs. But uh, no, I mean, look, uh, just a fantastic second goal. And then we have this habit, don't we, of scoring in short little bursts. So 63 mm. minutes we scored to go 2-1 up, 65 minutes we score uh, to go 3-1 up, and uh, what a goal. What a yeah. goal this is. I mean, uh, amazing football. Starts with a keeper, is that right? Starts with a keeper, comes out. Xhaka into Ozil in in the uh, in midfield, who flicks it on. Um who does he flick it on to? Is it Genduzi or is it Torreira? I can't I remember. Maybe it's Torreira. Torreira is it is who plays the pass into Ozil, mm. and Ozil then produces the impudent uh, back heel, isn't it? Out to I think Genduzi, uh, and then Genduzi for Bellerin, and then it that's that's when the magic really starts. Yeah. I'm going to watch Got it here on. I think you should treat yourself. It's I'm going to watch it here arms. on on Arsenalist. Our pal Arsenalist has the goal here. So there might be some commentary here that you can hear. Uh, there seems to be a, an ad. Okay, skip ad. Yeah, skip ad. Sorry, Arsenalist. Yeah. <laughs> we, we appreciate the service, but we yeah. can't, you know. We've not got time for adverts. There's too many oh, oh, brilliant things oh. to talk about in this goal. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the step over from Ozil... And the actual pass he makes to Aubameyang is amazing with the yeah. outside of his foot. He just sort of clips it back across with the right kind of angle on it. Wow. That's just... What's an- mad is Ozil... The, when the pass comes in from... Uh, I think it's Bellerin, Bellerin on the right yeah. wing... Ozil hasn't looked at Lacazette behind him for, I'd say, a good, you know, a good eight paces or something like that. So his awareness and presumably a shout from Lacazette is so good that he he knows where Lacazette will be without even turning his head. Yeah, so yeah, he yeah. can just leave it, make the run on. I mean, credit to Lacazette. You know, he didn't have his best night in front of goal. I thought he probably should have had a couple of goals tonight, particularly in the last stages. But the weight of his pass for Ozil is brilliant. And what Ozil does to, to lay it on a plate for Aubameyang is... I, I, I am genuinely <laughs> short of words. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's so... I mean, I've, I've used so many to describe <laughs> his finish and his pass on the second. Uh, but it... Uh, it's like, I mean, a, like he slices it back into his path with the outside of his boot. Yeah, it's 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 not quite the old kick it into the ground to flip it up, but it's not a million miles away. He kind of sort of, you know, uh, almost kind of stomps into the ground and it mm. comes off of the outside of his boot. What? And Aubameyang t- yeah. tucks it away. What can you say? He's always in the right place at the right time. But that was a goal... I mean, it's almost a fake as well from Ozil. He almost makes it look like he's going to open his foot out and take the shot on mm. and then goes with the outside of his foot. And all I can tell you is that I was in the North Bank behind behind that goal when it was scored and there was pandemonium. You know, there were, people were yeah, yeah, yeah. climbing over each other, you know, hugging each other. Uh, people were so lost in that moment, partly because it's one of those great you know, goals after a goal, where you're kind of still buzzing off the second one yeah. and then we get the third. We always talk about that Fabregas double, don't we? I think it was in the yeah, derby. Yeah, yeah. It had a, a touch of that, but 
also just visually, you know, we scored those brilliant goals against Fulham, but to see a goal of that calibre scored at the Emirates Stadium in front of the home fans and for it to effectively decide the game, which it did really, it put it beyond Leicester at that point. Yeah. It was just great. It was great. <laughs> I, I honestly, like I I loved it. I was so exhilarated by it. And seeing all the big guys involved, you know, the three most expensive players in our history combining to score that goal. There's something brilliant about great team goals where you can kind of perceive it before it happens. You see it sometimes with Liverpool, actually, I think, that, you know, they win the ball high up the field and, and you can sort of see the next three passes mm. and they manage to do it. And when Aubameyang, Ozil and Lacazette click, they have that quality too. It's like... It's like, the you know, it, it is all operating in triangles and they do seem to be kind of two steps ahead of the defenders at times. And this was just one of those moments where it all came together so beautifully. Mm. And uh, we're spoiled. We are spoiled at the moment with the goals that we're seeing, I think. I, I don't think we're being spoiled. I think this is <laughs> I think this is what we deserve. This is what we should Maybe have. Maybe it is. Why, Maybe don't, it why, is. why can't we have nice things? Um, I, I agree with you. I mean, there's just something fantastic about seeing those kind of moves come together because there's such, you know, precision involved. And when you think about the speed at which the players are moving, the speed of thought, I mean, Ozil's, Ozil's step over, he made that step over and immediately made the move to get in behind the defender to pick up the pass back from Lacazette. You know, just that that speed of thought and vision mm. and Lacazette being on the same wavelength, knowing what he was going to do. Uh, yeah, just absolutely beautiful. Really beautiful. I think it completely took the wind out of Leicester's sails. You know, because you think about it, just five minutes previous to that, five or six minutes previously, they'd hit the, they'd hit the bar. You know, and they're thinking, oh, God, we could we could have been 2-1 up. Now we're 3-1 down. What the fuck? And I know, I know. You know? And we shouldn't forget those moments. You know, we shouldn't overlook the fact that we do give up a lot of big chances to inferior teams. But Yeah, but, but my the point I'm trying to make is that the, the psychological damage that must do to you as uh, an opposition team, you know, the, the, mm. I, I'm looking at this more from our ability or the way that we inflicted that upon Leicester, rather than saying we got away with it. I've already said that. We did get away with it. But uh, now, by scoring those two goals that quickly together, and by I think there's something as well about the quality of the goals as well, because there's a helplessness to the opposition when you score goals like that, right? You know, oh, yeah. so whatever about them making a mistake or just tucking one in from a corner. But when your team has been literally pulled apart and you don't have any idea how they've gone and done what they've done. I mean, I think uh, Schmeichel at the end of uh, the, the third goal, he's complaining to the, to the referee. About what? What are you complaining about? <laughs> it's like, he's just almost like he's going, that's not fair. It's not fair. Look what they did. You know, yeah. so when you when you kind of have that feeling that you can't live with it, it really affects the rest of the game. I mean, there was still 24 minutes to go. You're bang on. You know, they, they should have by all rights have had every chance of coming back into that game. And yet yeah. I spoke about it and said that was the moment that it ended. And it did. Yeah, it because did more or less, yeah. It was a knockout blow, wasn't it? You know, I think especially after that, that mm. moment hitting the bar, but it was just the a moment where our quality was underlined. And... 
you know, I really like what you said about Schmeichel sort of complaining that it wasn't fair. It was almost, <laughs> we spoke about Dennis Bergkamp earlier, but, you know, you remember when he scored that goal, I think it was against Sunderland or Barnsley, I forget which it was, and there, there were kind of the hands over the mouth Sunderland. in celebration. Sunderland, yeah. And it, 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 when you watch the response of the players to that third goal, there was such enjoyment in it. I mean, Alex Awobi, I think, leaps into the air. Lacazette, Lacazette like <laughs> runs away uh, as the ball is being turned into the empty net by Aubameyang. Lacazette is running away. He doesn't know what to do with himself. His arms are <laughs> flapping around. And that's exactly what I was like in the stands and what I'm sure many people watching at home were like. It was just, it was a great moment for for Arsenal fans, really. And I, listen, I know, you look, we're not spoiled. We, we deserve much, much more of this. But <laughs> it is, it's fantastic to come on here and chat about it and have such positive things to say and, and, yeah. to be, and to be able to revel in in these goals and uh, you know you don't want to sort of end game and you don't want to project too far and think about where this is going to take us and what it mm. means and I haven't even looked at the Premier League table well I let mean, me that's... let me tell you where we are we're in oh, we're in on, fourth we've gone ahead of Tottenham Hotspur who've had apparently their best ever start to a Premier League season and we're still ahead of them uh, so City obviously top uh, City and Liverpool on 23 Arsenal Chelsea and Tottenham on 21 points so you know we're we're in a very healthy position we've just won 10 games in a row James and I know you can point all you like to the quality and caliber of the opposition I take that on board completely I think you have to you've got to be realistic about what we're doing um, in winning those 10 games but if the expectation when you're playing opposition of that caliber is to win and you do you can't really complain about that do you know what I mean what you know what I'm saying here people are saying well look they haven't been the greatest teams no they haven't but we've gone through periods, you know, particularly in the last 18 months, where we've been playing teams that we would be rightly expected to beat, and we haven't. Not only have we not beaten them, we've been beaten by some of these teams. So here mm. we are on this kind of a run. You know, we may, we may well run into problems when we face better teams. We already did against City and Chelsea. We've got to play Liverpool and then the start of December, I think it's Manchester United and Tottenham within three days of each other. So we may well run into problems with those bigger teams and those better teams because I do think when you when you face sides with better quality players or players who are perhaps better able to take the chances that we give them, then you're going to have some problems. In the meantime though, if you can lay waste to all the others, then you still remain competitive in terms of what it is we want to achieve this season, and that's the top four. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And obviously, we've all kind of earmarked this upcoming Liverpool fixture as a a different kind of test. Uh, but, you know, in the meantime, we've had 10 wins. Mm. You know, I, I do think that, you know, kind of... It, Look, I, I hope we beat Liverpool and I hope that we learn even more about this team. But I don't want this 10-match winning run to be just a run-up, you know, to mm. be just uh, just a warm-up. These games all count. They're, they're, they're all three points and we are, you know, the league ones at any rate, and we are winning them. Um, and it's, it's just... Uh, 
I mean, look, it's just a relief. It's just a relief. I think that's the main thing for me. I think that's what you're seeing in the stand mm. is a bit of relief and people letting go of some of the angst that they felt about the club and around the club over the past few seasons. And I, I don't want to look back too much, but it is a very palpable thing that you can feel some of those tensions uh, evaporating. And nothing... Nothing will do that like results. And, mm. you know, when we started out on this run, we were talking about, well, we're getting good results, but we're not playing well. Uh, now we're at a point where we're getting good results and we are playing very well, but not through the entirety of games. Yeah, And that's progress, isn't it? You know, we are definitely moving in the right direction. I don't think you can look at what we have done over the past couple of months, the past 10 games, and not say that we're, we're definitely going in the right direction. Mm. I think that's fair, you know. I think there are there are still issues, but when we get when we get it right, when we click, the quality, the individual quality and collective quality of the players that we have in that front four, in particular, uh, means that we're we're capable of uh, doing damage to to the opposition, as we have done tonight, and as we did against Fulham, and as I hope we'll do on Thursday uh, in Sporting Lisbon. Um, mm. Anything else quickly? for that first period or will we go on and do part two and some questions I'm sure we'll have lots of questions yeah so I think let's uh, let's leave it to the listeners see what they've got to say for themselves alright we'll be right back after this many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those, I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. 
Welcome back to the Arscast Extra, recording late at night, and this is the part of the show where we answer your questions, and because it's late at night, they're questions about love. No, I'm joking. <laughs> they're not questions about love at all. Uh, these are questions that you send to us at Gunnerblog and at Arsblog on Twitter. I didn't have time to put it on Facebook this evening. Sorry to the, uh, to the Facebook people, but I'm going to go first here, James, because a lot of people are asking this uh, question or something similar to it. Uh, this one comes from Corey Andres, who says, if giving Mesut Ozil the captain's armband provokes such great performances from him and the team, should Unai Emery give him the armband for every match, or should the five-captain philosophy still stand? What did you make of Ozil as Arsenal captain? Look, I mean, you can't knock his performance tonight. I just, I suppose I would... I would venture that I'm not sure how much that has anything to do with the captain's armband. Maybe it does. Maybe he was inspired by it and rose to the challenge, was particularly motivated for this game. But I think, if anything, I see it more as kind of a, a victory for the for the five-captain strategy. You know, I think it, it shows that we can win. I mean, it'd be interesting to know in those 10 matches that we've won how many different captains we've used. You know, at least Ozil, Czech, I think Shaka on one occasion. Um We've certainly used a, a fair few, so I, I, I liked Ozil, you know, it's good to see him with the armband and he definitely delivered, but I'm not necessarily sure that that means he must be the captain every game. From yeah, now. I'm not sure that giving him the captain's armband was the reason why he played like that either. No. You know? It, it, uh, yeah, I mean, it's certainly not the reason he was able to sort of, you know, place that ball in off the far post or, or wait that pass. You know, he's he's got that in his locker, irrespective of... Uh, accessories on yeah. his kit. Um, <laughs> maybe I, I, maybe I mean, the armband just gave him the perfect amount of balance to cushion the ball in. Maybe. maybe. You never know. I mean, I it's tricky one, the captaincy, isn't it? Some players do seem to rise to it and some do wilt a little bit. But for the most part, it shouldn't really make a massive difference. It is a symbolic thing. And ultimately, you know, Ozil had the armband, but there was still other potential leaders out there. You know, Shaka, for example, is someone who has captained the team. And mm. He's not going to not say his piece on the pitch because he hasn't got the armband on. Um, Lick Steiner is another who, you know, is not going to suddenly shrink because he's not captain of Arsenal on the yeah. day. Um, I, I think that sharing it around makes sense, particularly at a time where we are rotating heavily. And let's not forget, we do have a club captain. You know, Laurent Koscielny is the club captain and he was playing a full part in training this week, wasn't he? Yeah, that's good Good news. Good news because, uh, you know, our, our central defensive situation, we still don't know how bad the uh, the injury to Socrates is, do we? So, uh, you know, we're, we're a bit light in that particular area because Mavropanos is out injured as well. So good to see Koscielny back. Yeah, look, I think uh, Ozil is captain. He wouldn't necessarily be my choice to be honest, just in terms of the kind of character he is, you know, uh, mm. on the pitch, he's not necessarily he's not necessarily that guy, but he really looked like he enjoyed himself tonight. You know, there was a bit, just as the second half was beginning, where he came out in the pitch with Lacazette TV cameras were on, and they're having a great old laugh together. It was one of those where you're going, is he feeling that good? Should he be laughing? It's only 1-1, you know, we could be, could be in for a, a difficult 45 minutes, but yeah, I mean... I, I think it's kind of coincidence that he was captain and he played that well. Um, but if it helps him in some way, then fine, why not? But I, 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 don't, I don't read too much into it, really. 
Yeah, I'm sort of inclined to agree. But, you know, it's a, he'll remember the day, certainly, that you know, he captained Arsenal against Leicester because he delivered a, a massive performance. And, and, and also, I sort of didn't really talk about this enough in the first part, but the reception he got when he went off, you know, everything that's happened with the player, with the summer and his issues with the German national team, there's been all this talk from Unai Emery of, you know, Arsenal is his home. Uh, and yet he's never he's not quite delivered in performance terms i think for the the vast majority of the mm. season i think that moment when he came off his name was ringing around the stadium i mean actually you can tell that he's not been that great this season because we've not yet updated his song it's still everyone's still singing he's arsen wenger's man even though uh, well maybe he'll always remember remain arsen wenger's man mm. but uh, that moment where he came off to the standing ovation 60,000 fans applauding him I just think I'd hesitate to say he turned a corner, but you it could be, couldn't it? It could be a building block for him going forward. You know, it could be the start of his renaissance uh, as a player and with Arsenal. I hope so, at any rate. Yeah, I mean, it would be fantastic to see more of this from Mesut Ozil. You know, because the talent nobody can deny the talent. It's the, not even so much the application of the talent, but the ability to produce it on a consistent basis. And in some ways, I think it's been difficult, really. I think we spoke about this on the podcast before, about how over the last year, or certainly the last year under Arsene Wenger, it was very difficult to to judge players on an individual basis because of how, how fraught everything was in general, you know? Mm. Um and he's somebody, I think, who suffered a little bit from that. And Emery, I think, deserves a bit of credit. You know, he hasn't uh, he hasn't given Ozil any special treatment. You know, people can think what they want about the incident that happened a bit earlier in the season. But, you know, from there, he's got his head down. He's been uh, played in Europa League games. He's scored. He's uh, scoring goals in the Premier League as well. He looks pretty happy you know, in training at Arsenal, you know, regardless of what else is going on around him and some of the stuff that's coming out of Germany and the lack of support he's got from people who I guess he would have hoped at the very least would have been on his side, uh, given everything that went on and turned out not necessarily to be as on his side as he might like. I mean, it's all quite difficult to take. Um, You know, he's the one that was in the spotlight for Germany's uh, World Cup exit, you know, mm. it seemed to me there was much more spotlight on Mesut Ozil than there was uh, Yogi Love, even though mm. one man was in charge of picking the team and the tactics and, and everything else. And one guy was just a player who was dependent on his teammates to finish the chances that he created for them, and they didn't. So, you know, it's it's been quite a, a difficult time, but Emery has spoken, hasn't he, about he's, he's part of the Arsenal family, where his family were here to, to help him and all that kind of stuff. And maybe... Maybe that's working. And maybe the result of that was what we saw tonight. Maybe. Let's hope so. It mm. felt like it. It felt like it. Uh, this question, well, talking about the, the front four and Meza Ozil, Jeff Barker, who's at Unk Arsenal, says, with Alba's immediate impact, Iwobi's new muscles and Ozil looking at home in the number 10 spot, have we found our front four going forward and I guess Alexandre Lacazette is the the other component in in that proposed front four yeah I think that would be my at the moment that would be my preference I think Iwobi has been absolutely fantastic in the last few weeks I thought he had a maybe a difficult 
opening 15 minutes. Mm, um, same. But there was a moment where he controlled a pass from maybe Rob Holding, took it down really well, drove on, drove towards the Leicester half, came back, nutmegged a guy. Actually, we have a question here from Obi Nachi, who says, do you think Alex Iwobi has finally establ- established himself as that notorious Nigerian prince of nutmegs? And he's from Abuja in Nigeria, so he's uh, got a vested interest in this one. I mean, I didn't know that there was a notorious Nigerian prince of nutmegs. So maybe it's a, no. a legendary thing there. But, you know, he he has been absolutely fantastic. He's strong. He's confident. He's skillful. He's trying things. He holds the ball up really well. He brings others into play really well. He's creating chances. Uh, you know, there was one, I think, for, for Lacazette tonight, which should have been a goal. Maybe that was Ozil's final pass. I can't remember. But there were a couple of good passes as well from, from Iwobi, which created dangerous moments. Um, Ozil, mm. in that kind of form, if you're going to play him as the, the, the number 10, essentially, yeah. You know? I suppose the issue is that Iwobi is playing well on the left, Yes. And Aubameyang, yes. if you're going to play Aubameyang, appears to be being played on the left as well. Do you think tonight was vindication for people who say, if you're going to play Ozil, it's got to be as a number 10? Do you think that that's, we sort of saw that you know play out tonight? Yeah, I mean, it's his best position. It's the position yeah. in, in which he feels most comfortable. You know, I, actually, I must look this up because I'm guessing tonight he had a... He had a season-high number of passes and touches of the ball. Um, you know, when previously he's been played out of position, we've seen it. Wasn't there one game where he had like 16 passes? It's like, yeah. what on earth is that when it comes to Macedos? And let me just look at, look him up here. Uh, 67 I'm, I'm, There you go. Passes I was going to say, I suspect it'll be more than 16. <laughs> yeah, you know, he had 80 touches of the ball. His pass accuracy was 92.5%. Four key passes, one goal, one assist. I mean, it just makes sense to play him there. That if you have a player who, who's that good in that position, then play him there. But, I mean, it's it's how you make up the rest of that front three then. You know, if you're taking a Wobie from the left-hand side, maybe he's not quite as good on the right. You know, because Iwobi and... Monreal seem to have a good combination, don't they? I think this is going to be a conundrum throughout the season, isn't it? It is going to be a yeah. conundrum. The Aubameyang-Lacazette thing is going to be an ongoing thing. It is, but, I mean, it's not like it isn't... It's it's not like it, we're not making it work at the moment, mm. you know? They're, they're both scoring goals. They're both contributing. I mean, how many goals have they got apiece now? Uh pretty decent tally I'm I'm just having a quick look I mean I know quite a lot of this is me googling stats on this podcast but I think Aubameyang's got eight already he's only started eight games Mm. Lacazette must have five or so Um, we are finding ways to make it work albeit not necessarily consistently with them both on the field and and I do get the sense that Emery's never going to be the kind of coach who has a defined First eleven. I'm not sure he's ever going to be that guy. Yeah. Um, I feel like he looks at the fixtures we have, the fact that we're participating in the Europa League, and thinks I've got to make use of my squad and I've got to tailor it 
to the opposition. I mean, that's now, you know, again, another different formation tonight. We've changed our formation, I think, in the last four games. Um, so, uh, but if you were saying, you know, you've got the Liverpool game on the horizon, what's your best front four? I think that they are the four. And I think Iwobi has shown that he can play from the right as well in this team and he has contributed from that side he did play that pass for Lacazette that should have resulted in a, mm. a fourth goal tonight and, and your, your point about him not starting the game particularly well I agree I actually didn't think he had a brilliant first half I know he had one fantastic first touch at one point um, and in the past if Iwobi had started a game poorly his head would have been down you know he would have maybe been substituted or you know just seemed lacking in confidence but he he's a changed player this season and uh, you know the way he responded to that kind of characterised the way the entire team responded to going behind he he fought back into the game he used his physicality uh, used that that new fitness level and by the end he was pulling off all kinds of tricks so yeah it was really uh, a good performance from him and he has made himself a first team player and I think you know I suppose in some ways the biggest compliment he might get paid is that I, I don't really expect him to play the Europa League game on Thursday yeah 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 well, there's a question I guess we can touch on and, uh, in a minute about what, what we uh, might do on Thursday. Is it my question or your question? It's, uh, I've got no idea. I mean, okay. Should we talk about that now, in that case? Uh, no. Okay, oh. because we've got this, we've got to deal with this one. Because okay, this, is a, this is a very pressing issue. We've had about 500 people ask this question tonight. Uh, Ronnie, who is at Ron is great, says, can I be the first of 387 people to ask, which goal do you think was better, Aubameyang or Ramsey? And we had uh, another one here from uh, Rian Vacha, who's at Rian Vacha, who says, how tough is it going to be voting for October's goal of the month, Ramsey's or today's? You know what? It's a, it's well, it's, it's a difficult one. I am gonna say, I think aesthetically, I think I prefer Ramsey's, but I this is such a fudged answer. But I think because of the context of the game and the timing in which it came and how crucial it felt in kind of the flow of the match, I think I took more enjoyment from Aubameyang's. Okay. Is that fair? That's oh. fair. I mean, look, I, I can't tell you what to think. What do you think? What do I think? I I love the fact that Rams the Ramsey goal. There's an element of is it improvisation? I mean, we see that in the Aubameyang goal as well. It's an incredible finish, and that might elevate it for a lot of people. I think. Yeah, but there's maybe a moment or two where if the touch isn't perfect. In the Ramsey goal, then it doesn't happen. Whereas I think we there was more control to the Aubameyang goal. Does that does that yeah. make sense? Well, Which, I think that's that's the thing about the Ramsey goal is that it is a sensational goal, but kind of by necessity because the ball is never absolutely under our control in the early part of it. Do you but, know what I mean? Yeah, but does that make it better? Is I mean, is that better? I mean, footballers controlling a football and being able to pass it to each other—it's their fucking job. That's what they should be doing. But being able yeah. to operate on the margins of control and technique, does I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I, I, for me, it's very difficult. It's very, I think, 
oh fuck I can't because every time I think about like I go the Ramsey won the finish and then and then I think about Ozil's step over and and the pass for Aubameyang I I think maybe just Ramsey's just 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 but it's sort I of think like you the give difference it to Ramsey's for being more unique maybe mm-hmm. you know you couldn't score that goal again in a million years because of the, mm. the the such fine margins whereas you know the way in which that I don't know actually you know I'm thinking about everything as or contributes you know right back to that back heel on the halfway line mm. then the dummy then the assist mm. uh there's a lot going for it and it's I feel like it's maybe a bit more deliberate than the Ramsey goal. Mm. You know, it feels it has that kind of rehearsed feel to it where Ramsey is kind of a born of spontaneity and I know for some people that will be the joy of it, but the Ozil goal feels like the product of work. And I think I prefer it for that reason. Right, okay. Okay, that's fine. I mean, I guess it's being asked like being asked to choose between your favorite children, you know? Or whatever. Yeah, I, exactly. I don't really. Um, I don't really think that it, you know. There's a wrong answer here. <laughs> yeah, they're both. They're both great fun. Why, they're both great goals. Why do we have to divide? Why do we have to choose? Classic God, Arsenal fans Classic. looking for divisions wherever they can. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Even on a night like this. <laughs> uh, right. Let's have. Speaking of looking for, you know, a bit of negativity. <laughs> Sorry, Graylo. This is from at Graylo, and Graylo says, "As excited as I am for the current team, I'm also worried about parallels to previous seasons. We drop points early, go on a run, then have a bad November, December, and don't really get back into the race after that. Will this season be different?" I don't know. Yeah. I literally have no idea. It could be. It could be something completely different. It could be something very similar to what we've seen before. Um, I I just don't know. I can't predict. I can't predict what's going to happen. I can't even predict what the starting lineup of the team is going to be. And look, I think we are going to go on, not that we're going to go on a bad run, but we're probably going to have a little spell where results aren't great. And that to me is going to be a very interesting part of this season because it's, it's easy to have goodwill when you win 10 games in a row. Um, Nobody can really complain with results. How can you complain with results? Um, It's how we react and how Emery reacts and how the squad and the players react when we lose a game or two as can happen. You know, when you go on these runs, quite often when you come off the run, it takes a little while to get back on track, you know? Mm. We've seen that we've seen that happen before. But I think even just the possibility of it being different is enough for me at this moment in time. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't know it's a very different club now and a different team. I don't think you can worry too much about those patterns repeating themselves I mean it's a fair point you know I I can remember several seasons where we had a tricky start then seemed to overcome it with a good run and then it all fell apart in November I must say looking at November now you know there are there's nothing hugely worrying I mean there's the Manchester United actually Liverpool tell a lie there's Liverpool (laughs) there's Liverpool um, but then apart from that you're looking at Wolves you're at Bournemouth Sporting November, I don't think, is the time that's going to be give us trouble. Once you get into December, you've got Spurs and Man U within a few days of each other. That, mm. that might be a bit more challenging. Mm. Um, but 
I don't know either. I don't know either. I, I do feel like there, there seems to be a greater psychological resilience about the team, if not a defensive resilience. Uh, I'd love for those things to come together, but uh, at the moment we've got sort of 50% of what we were looking for. Um, but, you know, the, the frailties are still there from a sort of technical point of view. But for, for a long time, it felt like they were there from a sort of character standpoint. And I think it's kind of... It'd be difficult to make that case. Yeah, I mean, we, we it's not a question here, but we had a comment from Rob Wilkins 78, at Rob Wilkins 78. He says, so so how much has the Arsenal DNA actually changed? He says, even with the new signings, I just see the same team with added attitude. And I think that's probably the, the most obvious change that we've seen from, from Emery is this, whether it's character or resilience or whatever else you want to call it, um, that, that maybe we're gauging that on results and we're gauging it on the fact that we're winning games in the second half as well. So we might go back not necessarily just to character, but also physicality and fitness and our ability to go the distance and and uh, and make teams tired. Um, so I, I don't know what my point is here. What were we talking about? It's quite late now. It's nearly midnight. It is quite late. It's nearly midnight, actually. It know? is. So we've we've done quite well. Yeah. Um, I'll let you off forgetting what your point was there. I'm not sure what it was going to be. If I knew, I would intervene. Okay. But, uh, yeah. I couldn't help you. Couldn't, couldn't help you there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, well, here's a, here's um, a, here's a question from Eric Folliot. Uh, who says, who would you rest for the Lisbon game uh, to make sure they're ready for Palace on Sunday? And we have another one here. One second. It comes from Michael Williams at Michael 41248346, who says, if Monreal and Kolasinac are both injured, who should play left-back on Thursday? I don't know if I'd be confident with Granit Xhaka starting (laughs) a game there. I think it's got to be Licksteiner, hasn't it? I mean, if if he's fit enough to start... I think it kind of has to be him by by default. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just trying to think if there are any other options. I mean, there was a young kid on the bench today. I forget his name, but he's a centre-half. Zek Medley. Yeah, I think he's principally a central defender. Um, I don't know where Cohen Bramall is. Um, I don't know if he's fit, uh, if he's available. I suspect he might have been involved with the first-team squad today, if he was, so... Um, I think if it's if he's fit, it's Licksteiner, isn't it? I can't see anyone else being pressed into action as a left-back. In terms of who I'd rest, so what have we got? We've got Sporting away and then Palace away at the weekend. Yeah. That's a one thirty kickoff. Um, I think there'll be quite a lot of changes. I suspect Leno will keep his place. I mm. don't necessarily see Martinez coming in for that one. Um, so I'd say Leno... Do we think Socrates might be available to play? Don't know. Don't know. We'll have to get an update on that. I'm looking at the Arsenal I mean, even website. if he is, I wonder if he might be saved for Sunday. You know, if they might go with holding Mustafi again and then mm. leave one of those guys out uh, at the weekend for the Premier League game. Mm. Right back. I mean, unfortunately, it's, it's going to have to be Hector Bellerin, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It is. Um, it is. I know Ainsley Maitland-Niles is getting closer to fitness, but not in the matchday squad tonight. I think Elneny and Gendouzi will play. Elneny not even midfield. not even on in the squad. Yeah. Hasn't played well, a minute in the Premier League. No. 
but he has had plenty in Europe and I think this will be another opportunity for him. Mm. Uh, Genduzi. Mkhitaryan. Mkhitaryan, you would think. I think Aubameyang, Welbeck, um, and maybe maybe Smith-Rowe. Maybe. You know, he made the bench tonight. Mm. Uh, ahead of Elneny. So that's what I would imagine it would be. Um, Welbeck's certain to start, isn't he? Because he didn't get a minute... Uh, tonight, so you yeah. think he'll he'll play, and I I, I think Aubameyang will will play that game. Do you? I think he might. I think he might. Yeah. I mean, he's got to play a striker. So if he's going to play Welbeck in one of the wide positions, it's going to be Aubameyang up front. So, uh, yeah. I mean, is that reward for your two goals in two games, four goals in two games off the bench? You're in our Europa League team. Well done, son. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's a weird. It's a weird thing. But maybe he's trying not to to make the distinction between the two competitions as clear and as obvious as it was, like almost as if it's a demotion, you know, which is probably yeah. a healthy a healthy way of doing it. And I think the presence of, you know, a £65 million player in your starting lineup does send a message, I guess, to the rest of the team that, you know, this is being taken at least slightly seriously. Um, but I, th- I think he will play that game and... I, I wouldn't surprise me if he was back on the bench at Selhurst Park. I mean, mm. uh, it seems mad, doesn't it? He keeps coming. He can't really do any more than we, unless he's going to start coming off the bench and scoring hat tricks. There's not a lot more he can do. Well, maybe that's what he's trying to get out of him. <laughs> that's what he wants. You've got to get a hat trick, <laughs> otherwise you're it not getting in the team. It needs to be a hat trick. Mm. Yeah. Right. Any more questions, or is it bedtime for us both? Uh, I think we should do one more. We've got one more here. Uh, Go on. Oh, here's here's a good Paul Lane lifelong. How many Premier League games in a row do the Arsenal have to win before the Sky TV pundits fuck right off with the negative bullshit? Uh, I thought that, I think they were quite nice about us tonight, weren't they? I think. Anyway, they I were talking. They were. they were talking about nice goals that we were scoring, but I do take the point in general. But, uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, Torreira, says Tom Stratton, at Tom Stratton, is rightly lauded as a destroyer, but do you think his ability with the ball is equally as important? He's an alternative outlet for the defence, and we've been cutting through teams much more over the past few games rather than passing down the sides. Yeah, I mean, simple answer. I really do. And I think we always said that about him. You know, ultimately, we were looking for a player who could kind of do two jobs. One was to help us win the ball back, Mm. and he did that. I thought pretty well tonight. There were times where he won, I think he won a header at one point against uh, Ndidi in, in midfield mm. for Leicester. He's about a foot taller than him, which was pretty impressive. Um, but his ability on the ball is is really helpful and he does pass between the lines. He does help advance the play and make us a bit more uh, vertical, as they say. So, mm. yeah, I think it goes without saying. It's it's a double-edged thing for him. He, he's winning the ball back, but he's also using it extremely well and, you know, when you look at our first goal tonight, I mean, he he does exactly that. He wins the ball and then plays a forward pass. And uh, I think he's he's been really good. And in a game which I agree with you, Granit Xhaka wasn't particularly good in central midfield. I thought uh, it made it all the more important that we had Torreira there. Yeah, there were a couple of moments that I really liked from Torreira late in the second half where he sent the... The other midfielders, the guys who were closing him down, he just sent them the wrong way. Just with a little feint of his body, he moved to go one way, then went the other way. And it reminded me, and I'm, you know, I don't want to set the bar too high, but it reminded me of the way Cesc Fabregas used to find space in midfield. Yeah. By just sort of shifting his body one way and the the 
the guy would go with him and he'd just go go a different way. Um, I also liked his bit where he got very slightly um, stood on by Albrighton and then rolled around like a classic uh, Uruguayan just to eat up some time, take any momentum they might have thought about. I enjoyed that. I'm enjoying some of the shithousery from Lucas Torreira as well. Um, particularly as that guy, did you notice the guy who tried to get Xhaka sent off in the the very start of the first half? No, what happened there? Xhaka is sort of, you know, when you're shielding the ball, you throw your arm out and you sort yeah. of, and he made like the briefest, the tiniest contact with this guy's face. And your man lay on the ground as if he'd been absolutely smacked in the head by, by Xhaka. You know, Xhaka can do some stupid stuff at times, but this wasn't it. I think they knew Xhaka was on a yellow card. It looked fairly deliberately cynical to me. So I liked right. it when our Uruguayan guy did some Uruguayan stuff and their guys got really annoyed. And uh, I think even Mustafi was just going, well, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? <laughs> That's you what found. you have Uruguayans for, to be all Uruguayan. To be all What's Uruguayan the- and that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. There was a word for it, wasn't there? But I've already forgotten it. Uh, apologies. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it is. But anyway, look. It was the, Sp- the, the Spanish for shithousery, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but I think... <laughs> La Casa uh, del Mierda. Exactly. Uh, and I, I think, yeah, Torreira's an instant cult hero. I mean, his song was reverberating around the ground tonight. I think people really do appreciate what he's brought to the team. And... Uh, you know, we waited a long time for him to get into the starting eleven, and now he's there. I mean, it's difficult to see him uh, coming out of that Premier League team anytime soon. It definitely is. It definitely is. All right. Well, look, we're going to leave it there because it is after midnight at this point, and uh, you know, we have it's Wednesday now, is it or Tuesday? It's Tuesday. Tuesday. God, we started this podcast yesterday. I know. Been going well, at least all day. We... <laughs> at least we still technically did it on a Monday for the most part. For the most part. All right. Well, look, that was out of our hands anyway because of the way uh, the game That's was. The fixture list yeah, for. the fixture list. Yeah, goddamn. All right. They don't well, even consult us. Not even not even for a second. You think they they would know better at this point, but hey. We struggle manfully on James. Uh we'll leave it there. We will have an Arscast on Friday. Uh looking back at the the game against Sporting Lisbon in Lisbon in the Europa League and then looking ahead to the game against Crystal Palace on Sunday. So join us for that and uh we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.